I want to talk with you for just a few minutes this morning about the subject of revival. Because I believe the Lord wants to um, open our eyes a little bit, open our hearts a little bit to, to what it is that He's wanting to do. Do you know this morning that He knows the number of hairs on your head? Yeah. Everyone owns numbered. He knows you by name. You know that every day of our life was written down in a, in a book, His book, before we were ever born? Aren't you thankful that He's a personal God? And He knows what you're going through. So many times we can come into church and out of church and the Word can be preached and all the things can go on in church. And sometimes we don't remind ourselves that this is God is for us. God is not against us. I was having a conversation with one of my friends in the back between services. And, and I was just reminding him of what God was reminding me early this morning before daylight. And God's saying, I'm for you, not against you. Aren't you thankful that God loves us? And God wants to do some things in our lives that make a difference. You know, God doesn't want us to perform for Him. He wants to partner with us in this life. Amen? You know, uh, the most important thing in all the world is that we come to know our Heavenly Father while we're on this earth. Do you know that? He wants us to know Him. <clears throat> Outside of that, that's the most important thing. But the thing about it is, is that when we come to know Him, when we give our life to Him, and we surrender to Him, and, and we invite Him to be the Lord of our life, and we become a new creation, um, you, like me, you're still here, right? None of us got raptured out of here when we gave our life to God. He left us here. And He left us here on purpose because He has a purpose for our lives. There's purpose in being a husband or a wife. There's purpose in being a father or being a mother. There's a purpose in being in a family. How many of you know you're not in my family? You don't live in my house. You can't influence the people around me. God's given me that responsibility. There's people in your life. There's things that God's called you and only you to, to influence. The scripture says that uh, God's eyes look to and fro over the whole earth to find one that would stand in the gap and to intercede on behalf of some of those around them. How many, how many of you would raise your hand and say that I'll be the one that would be willing to do that? Your life matters. Your life is important. There's a calling upon your life. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what, what you've been through, what your past is like. You know, I used to think I couldn't do anything for God because I grew up in church and I got saved when I was young and baptized when I was five. And I didn't have this uh, this testimony of all these radical things that that I did running from God. I used to think, you know, the devil will do anything he can to lie to us, to keep us from stepping into the calling and the purposes of God for our life. He'll tell you you weren't bad enough, so you can't do something for God. He'll tell you you're too bad, so you can't do anything for God. But what I'm here to tell you this morning is, is that God's hand is upon each and every one of your life. He's got you on that job with that crew because He needs you there. He needs to use your mouth and He needs to use your heart and He needs to use your faith to influence those people around you. God knows us by name. He has a calling and a purpose for our life. And the things in our life that are too big for us, how many of you are thankful this morning that they're not too big for God? The other thing is they're not too small for God. You know, sometimes there's things in our life that we just think we'll handle. You know, I think I said this at church last week. I can't remember. But one of the things that's kind of funny, but I, it's not funny, but I kind of dislike the most about um, 
being a, a, in a, in a pastoral role or whatever, you know, um, is that, you know, people sometimes can think things about you that just, just aren't true. But, you know, we, you know, there's way, there's no difference between you and I, is there, you know, I was going to say we could both swing a, a hammer the same way, but I can't swing a hammer like you, but you get my drift, right? We all put our shoes on the same way in the morning. But when, when, uh, sometimes when I'm, when I'm walking through Walmart or whatever, and you know how it is going down, you look down an aisle and you see somebody you might know or something, and I see somebody who maybe hadn't been in church for a while, and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll take off the other way, or if they happen to accidentally bump into me when they come around the corner, you know, they'll, they'll head will drop and they'll say, oh, you know, call me pastor. I'm so, my name is Stephen, and it's like, well, Stephen, you know, I know I hadn't been to church in a while. I'm so sorry I hadn't been there, but I've just been dealing with some things in life. You know, when I get things sorted out, I'm going to come back to church. You ever heard anybody say that before? So I got to where I tell them now. I say, well, I won't ever see you then. That's what I tell them. You ain't going to get things sorted out without God. We're not going to get things sorted out without God. We need him and we need each other and we need the body. And God loves us and he has good things that he wants to do in our life. And so anyway, I just want to talk to us for a few minutes this morning about the subject of revival. Because I think sometimes we hear the word revival. And we think it's going to be something that uh, that it's not. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning. Real quickly, um, I do like, I am more of a teacher than a preacher if there is a difference, but I kind of like points and that kind of thing. And so if that bores you, I'm sorry. But uh, here's a definition for revival. What is revival? Revival is an improvement. Everybody say an improvement. Anybody could stand in some improvement anywhere in your life. It's an improvement. How many of you know God wants to improve us? The scripture says uh, from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Line upon line, precept upon precept. The journey of a believer should be that I'm not where I was, but I'm not where God's taken me. That things aren't as bad as they were, but they're not as good as they're going to be. God is a God of improvement in our lives. Revival is improvement in the condition or the strength of something or someone. God wants to improve some things in our life. Another definition of revival that, that I found was the returning of God's people. Anybody God's people in here this morning? The returning of God's people to their true nature and their true purpose. How many of you know that we're, the, the scripture says that we're strangers and we're aliens in this world? That we are in this world, but we're not of this world. That, that is what God says about us. It says that we're just, we're pilgrims or we're aliens that we're just passing through. How many of you know that we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world? But sometimes we can be in the world. Let's, let's take off our religious garb for a minute and we can be of the world. We can call ourselves Christians and we are believers, but sometimes we get a lot of the world on us and a lot of the world in us. And the true nature of God is not obvious to those around us. And the purposes of God are no longer the things that are guiding my life, but I'm letting this world set the agenda for my life. I'm working the 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week uh, to, to, make the, to make the money. And that's not a bad thing to work. But I'm just saying, we let the world system and the world culture and the things that, that this world puts a value on begin to influence and determine what we're living for. How many of you know the scripture says that this, as Pastor Jerry Kirksey was saying earlier, this stuff is passing away. It says, lay not up, in Matthew, it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We live for more, right? Now, I'm not saying we don't work and we don't save and we're not frugal and we don't budget and we don't provide for our family. We do all those things. But those things aren't the end goal for us. They're a means to an end. And the means to an end is to live for His purposes and for His calling and to take on His nature so that we can be His aroma in this earth. How many of you know that there's some people that you're bumping into in life that need to smell something different? They need to smell some forgiveness. We need to be an aroma of love. We need to be an aroma of kindness. We need to be a different aroma. And wherever we go, we should be the nature of God. Can you say amen to that? So revival is the return of God's people to that place, to His true nature in our lives and His true purposes in our life. Another way I'd like to say what revival is, is the, the picture I kind of get in my mind. The word revival comes from the root word revive. Everybody say revive. I think about the word revive. I think about maybe it's a, a television show or maybe you're an EMT or maybe you've had an, an experience. But we've all seen where there would be that body laying on that gurney and that body uh, has flatlined and there is no life. There is no heartbeat that that person has flatlined and we see uh, them take those paddles and, and lay them upon the heart, upon the chest and connect it to a power source. And when that power hits that body that that person is no longer flatlining but they're revived and they come back to life if you're like me there are areas of your life that are fully alive and fully flourishing and god is doing good things and you're seeing fruit but as believers we know that not everything is like that all the time if we can be real sometimes we are afraid to be real in church aren't we how are you doing today? Praise God, brother. Everything. Perfect in my life. You know, I hate that question now when it comes my way, because I'm just like, got a minute, you know, how's everything? That's a big, big question, isn't it? With God, everything's good. But walking it out in everyday life, not everything's easy. Not everything's a bed of roses. Some things are in process. Anybody got anything in your life that's in process besides me? <laughs> it's in process. There are areas even in our lives that are flatlined. There are areas in our life that need the breath of God. There are areas in our life that need to be revived. Anybody want to be revived in some areas of your life? God wants to revive those areas of our life. We're talking about the what of, of revival. We need the right mindset. God wants to do some things in our life. But let me say this. Corporate revival or church-wide revival flows out of personal revival. Let me say it another way, that we're the body of Christ. We've heard Paul, we saw Paul wrote about this in Corinthians, and we've heard it talked about. We are the body of Christ. Some people may be the pinky finger. You know, I might, I might be the toenail on the little toe. I might be the nose or the eye or the ear or the arm or the elbow. But the scripture describes us, if the, if we're believers, that we are a member of the overall body. Thankfully, Jesus is the head. Everybody say, Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. He doesn't need any two-headed monsters. Jesus is the head. But we're a part of the, of the body. And what I want to say this morning is this, what I feel like I'm here to convey. And I'm going to say a few different things. But the heart of what I'm here to say this morning is this, is that revival begins with us. Yeah. 
corporate revival or church-wide revival flows out of personal revival. There is no church without you and I. This building is not going to experience a revival. This church can experience a revival. And this church is made up of us many members. Everybody, Anybody a member, a participant in this church? Raise your hand. Did y'all ever used to do that? Uh, how do you, I don't remember how you do it. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. You know, open it up. And where's all the people? You know, do y'all remember that? I don't know if there's any, it's biblical. And then you put your fingers in, there's the church, the steeple, open it up, and there's all the people. How many of you know that the people are the church? And if the church is going to be in revival, it means the people have to be in revival. And there's going to, there's not going to be a revival in the body until there's a revival in the members. Everybody put your hand on your chest and say, revival starts with me. If you're taking notes, write it down. Revival starts with me. See, revival is not a event that we're waiting on. Rather, it's a destination that we step into. Let me say that again. You know, oh, I'm just, man, I can't wait. You know, what's God going to do? Well, God can do a lot of things, but we're not waiting on revival to show up. God's waiting on us to step into revival. See, there's an element of personal responsibility that's part of the revival equation. That's the key to the beginning or the initiation or the startup or a fresh move of God in our lives. Everybody knows that God has his part and God always does his part. He's always faithful to his part and his part goes way beyond me. See, God's part uh, is a part that I could never do. It's a work. It's a power. It's a breakthrough. It's a transformation. It's a healing. It's a deliverance that goes beyond me. It's redemption. It's restoration. It's things that I could never do. That's God's part. But somehow all of that, the way he set things up, begins with you and I. See, God doesn't need us, but he chooses to partner with us. Jesus said, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did God choose to partner with you and I to get his will to earth? I don't know. He, He just wrote the rules. I talked about this in early service. Anybody ever been to a t-ball game? Anybody know what a t-ball game is? They put the little baseball on a tee and the little kiddos, little boys and girls, you know, they get up there and they swing, swing the bat. Have you ever seen one of them run to third base first? You ever seen one swing at the ball and not hit it and run out and sit on the pitcher's mound? How many of you don't get any points for not playing the game right? Someone defined that you go to first, second, third, and home. When you cross home plate, you score a run. See, God set up the kingdom. God defined the way that the kingdom works. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God chose to walk with us and to partner with us in this earth. He gave us responsibility. You and I carry a part of the puzzle that God wants to establish in the earth. Listen to what James says in James 4.8. It's a scripture you're very familiar with. It says, draw near to God... And he will draw near to you. How many of you know over and over and over again, we can see throughout the word of God that God is looking for us to initiate something. 
Not that He's not drawing us or speaking to us or setting things up. You know, He's always doing that. But He's waiting on us to take that initial step of what? Trust, that initial step of faith, that initial step of obedience, that initial step of surrender. He's saying, hey, if you will do your part, then I will do my part. Aren't you thankful this morning that we're not just a victim of circumstance? I'm just not sitting around waiting on something to happen in my life. God's given me some keys. God's given me some tools. He's given me some responsibility. And he said, if I will begin to exercise those things and I will begin to do what I can do, then he will do what I can't do. You know, many times in my life, I found myself at a place where things weren't happening, the things that the way that I would like for them to and the way that I hope for them to and the way that I dream for them to. And I've had many conversations that go like this. I know y'all learn the first time with God, but sometimes it takes me a while to learn my lessons. But the conversation may be real short and sweet. It goes something like this. God, why haven't you moved yet? Anybody ever ask God that question? And I've heard him more than once say, because you haven't moved yet. So many times we think we're waiting on God and all the time God is just waiting on us. He don't need much to work with, but he needs something to work with. I would say out of 100%, he's looking for 1% from us. How many of you know that's not much? Five loaves and two fishes, that's enough. He can feed the 5,000 with 12 baskets full to overflowing. He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think in our lives. He can do it, but we have to give him something to work with. Isaiah 119 says that if we are willing and everybody say and. This is like two plus two, right? You've got two. I'm willing. God, I, I want you to do it. God, I know you can do it. God, I hope that you can do it. God, you know. But he says, hey, there's an and part. If you're willing and obedient, hoping for, dreaming about, praying for even, that's all good. How many of you know there's an additional step that we have to move when God says move? We have to obey when God speaks a word to us. And I told the early service this, you know, I... I grew up in a very religious, I grew up in church, but I grew up up in a very religious, I I would even say, does anybody know what self-righteousness is? (laughs) Where we think more of ourselves than we ought to based on, we're real good at being able to look down our nose. Anybody ever been to look down your nose at other people? You know, it's like, if I don't struggle with that, then I'm better than you. But the Bible says, pull the big old two by four out of your own eye before you look down at the splinter. It's somebody else's eye, right? You know what I'm saying? But I grew up in a very religious culture. People that love God, but religious culture. And I'm not talking here about our part being performance. God's not looking for us to perform for Him. He's looking for us to partner with Him. He's not looking for us to jump through hoops and do somersaults and do handstands and do all these things so He can check off a big list and say, okay, you've done everything religiously that I've asked you to do. He's just looking for a surrendered heart. A heart that would say, God, whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to go, God, whatever it is that you ask of me, I'm willing to do it. Remember Peter, after he had been out all night long toiling on the water, he's a professional fisherman. He knew where to fish. He knew the kind of nets to use. He knew where to go on the Sea of Galilee. He knew at what time of night... uh, 
he came in and he had done nothing. You ever feel like that in your life? I've done it all. I've done it all. I've done it all and still nothing has changed. I'm empty. I come up empty. Anybody ever come up empty? And Jesus is waiting for him on the shore. And Jesus simply smiles at him. I can see him smiling. And he just says, Peter, launch back out and throw your net on the right side. And all of these thoughts are swirling around in Peter's mind. And he's thinking, don't you know I know? He said, Master, we've been out here all night. <laughs> but he stopped himself even as he was thinking all those thoughts. I know what to do, how to do it. I've been doing this for years. I'm professional at it. But he had a heart. Everybody understand what a heart? He had a heart that said, nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. If we're wanting God to revive some things, if we're wanting some things to come alive, some things to change, we've got to be like Peter. We've got to be the nevertheless kinds of sons and daughters of the king. It's hearing him. And then when we hear him being willing to trust him. And to obey Him. If we're willing and obedient, the Scripture says that we'll eat the good of the land. I love the Scripture. It says that, so this is Luke 5, 5 and Luke 5, 6. It says that, that when Peter had done this. Everybody say that. When Peter had done this. Okay. The rest of the verse says... They caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. They caught, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. They caught a great... That, that represents the breakthrough that you and I need, right? That represents the provision. That represents the restoration. That represents the turnaround. That represents the reconciliation. That represents the hope or the joy that we're, this, we're speaking. But they never would have had the second half of the verse if they wouldn't have done the first thing. When they had done this, when they had done their part, how many of you know God did what they could never do on their own? In this season of revival, God is looking for a person. He's looking for a people who will surrender their heart to God and say, God, whatever it is that, that you want from me, God, I'm willing to give it to you. I'm not waiting on you, God. To do something, God, I want to step into what it is that you want to do in my life. How many of you know we're just not waiting? We're going to step into what God has for us in our life. The scripture says in Acts 3.19, it should be on the screen. It's the one verse I put on the screen this morning. Is a kind of provides a blueprint or a roadmap to revival or things coming alive in our life. A time of refreshing, a time of renewal. And what the scripture says is, this is how they amplify so there's a lot of brackets and parentheses that it kind of adds to, but I like that. It says, so repent, everybody say repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, and return. Everybody say return. To God, seek His purposes for your life so that your sins will be wiped away so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We see in this verse, we see two things that God asks from us. And then we see that God will come and He will refresh us and He will do something in our life that we cannot do for ourselves. It says like a cool wind on a hot summer day. Is there areas of our life that need the touch of God? A fresh move of God. A fresh presence of God in our life that needs to come to life again. What he's saying is if we'll repent and we'll return. So real quickly, let's talk about that. How many of you know repentance is a good word for believers? 
Repentance isn't just for unbelievers. Repentance is for believers. In First Chronicles, the scripture says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? Turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. If we'll do our part, how many of you know that God will do his part? Repentance is strictly a heart issue. It's just turning our heart back to God. I said this in the early service, but, you know, uh, I, you know, I used to be ashamed to stand up when there was a call for repentance. But I've learned through the years. I've got some gray hair now. I'm a little bit older than some of you. I've learned through the years of, of experience that it's wisdom to be able to own um, our faults and our failures. How many of you know the scripture says that if we confess them, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness? God loves to make our heart right. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's not mad at us. He's not angry at us. He's not stiff-arming us. He's not holding us away. He's not lecturing us saying, you should have known better. I've already told you about this. I know you've already failed at this three times this week. I can't believe that you did it again. How many of you know that's not the voice of our Heavenly Father? It is the voice of our enemy. Shame. Condemnation. Regret. But the heart of the Father is this. Repent, repent, repent. Hurry up. Hurry up, repent. Turn your heart back towards me. Hey, let me show you. Let me show you where you got it wrong. Let me show you where you're out of the line. Let me show you where, where you're, you're weak. Bring it to me. Turn your heart towards me. Though your sins be as what? Scarlet. I'll make them white as snow. Amen. I'm for you, not against you. Turn your heart. He's saying if we want a fresh move of God in our life, just be willing to bring it to Him. Turn our heart towards Him. It's a heart thing. And then secondly, he says, return to him. Return is all about relationship. If you're anything like me, this world has a way of inserting things into our lives that we are pursuing that can come in front of God. How many of you know that anytime we put something in life in the place of God, it becomes idolatry? It can be good intentions. How many of you know that we can take good things and put them in God's place? But good doesn't replace God. And what he's saying is that seasons of revival come into our lives when we get things realigned in the right way in our life. He said, return to me. There's some things that probably need to be bumped out of first, second and third place and put down the ladder. And we need to make sure that we put God in first place. How many of you know that when we put God in first place? When we seek first the kingdom of God, the scripture says all that other stuff will be added to us. So when we turn our hearts towards the Lord and we make intimacy and relationship with him of the highest priority, the scripture says when we do what we can do, then God will do what we can never do. Seasons of refreshing. Amen. Do you want some? Freshness in your life. Do you want some revival in your life? Then we have to be a people that say, God, okay, I'm willing to respond to your voice. I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to follow after you. I want to quickly mention, uh, it's there in your notes, but it'll be on the screen. I want to quickly mention three results that I believe that God wants to surface in our life during this season of revival. Everybody say revival starts with me. Revival starts with me. We're not waiting on Pastor Cricket. We're not waiting on any of these great evangelists that are going to be coming. We're not going to just show up next Sunday and having done nothing all week long and expect that we're going to experience a move of God. 
We're going to step into it. Say, I'm going to step into it. I'm going to step into it. And as we step into it, I believe these are three things I felt like the Lord gave me to. I'm no prophet or whatever, but I believe these are things that God wants to see come to pass in this season of revival. And I'm going to mention them quickly because we don't have time to go into them. But I've given you some scriptures that you can uh, that you can take and go read about these. Number one. The number one result that I believe that God wants to bring bring to pass in our lives during this season is to reclaim some things. To reclaim some things. Reclaim means to rescue or to demand the return of a right or a possession that belongs to me that the enemy has taken. Let me say it again. To reclaim means... To demand that something that has been taken by my enemy that rightfully belongs to me, that it be brought back to me. It's to recover, to bring back into my rightful possession. How many of you know that we have things that God has given us? They belong to us. They, they, they are legally ours. We've been given an inheritance from God our Father. But the enemy is a thief. Does anybody know anything about the thief? Anybody heard about the thief? He comes to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. He's a lawbreaker. So he doesn't, he doesn't care that something rightfully belongs to you and I, that it was a gift of God to me, that it was something, it was a promise of God that he gave me. How many of you know that if we allow him to, that he will come in and he will take what rightfully belongs to us and he will take it from us? Has the enemy ever stole anyone's peace in here? Let me see your hand. No, peace is a gift from God. Jesus said, my peace, I give you my peace. I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. How many know peace is a gift from God that belongs to us? And so if we don't have it, it's been taken and it's being held captive by our enemy. And God says that there are some things in our life that we've allowed the enemy to lay claim to that do not belong to him. And God says that during this season, he wants us to know that it's going to be a season for us to reclaim those things. If the enemy stole your joy, it's time to get back your joy. If the enemy stole your faith, it's time to lay claim to your faith. If the enemy stolen uh, one of your family members, how many of you know? going to go after it. And remember the the story of um, David and his mighty men who were out fighting the Philistines and they were out out fighting the battles that they were supposed to fight. And while they were gone, how many of you know the enemy slipped in? Enemy ever slipped into your life? The enemy slipped in and when they came back home to the city of Ziglag, they found that it was burned to the ground and all of their wives and all of their children and all of their possessions had been taken by the enemy. And the scripture said it was a it was a bad day. Have you ever had a bad day? Where things are not the way you want them to be. Where the enemy seems to be having his way. The scripture says that all his mighty men wanted to stone David. And it says that David wept till he couldn't weep no more. It was a hard place. And sometimes we don't understand what's going on. But the scripture says that David began to encourage himself in the Lord. He began to encourage himself in the Lord. And he began to step into God's presence. How many of you know we have that right? We have that available to us. And he stepped into God's presence. And he began to seek God. And he said, God, what do I need to do? And God told him to pursue, to go after the enemy. And if he would do his part, then God would do his part. 
And how many of you know that David said, okay, God, that's what exactly what I'm going to do. So he picked up his sword and he began to pursue the enemy, even though he was outnumbered and he was outgunned. How many of you know when he did his part, then God did his part. And there's some things in our life. And the scripture says that when, when they got there, let me just read the scripture. It says, um, it says, David attacked from twilight until evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites or the enemy had carried away. And David rescued all of his family, and nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small nor great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them, that David recovered all. Everybody say, I'm going to recover all. I'm going to reclaim what the enemy's taken from me. How many of you know we're not sitting around waiting on the enemy to bring it back to us? We're going to do our part and we're going to get up and we're going to pursue God and we're going to step into what God has for us. And this is a season that we can reclaim. Number two, not only reclaim, but to see God restore. Um, you know, sometimes cars get cars get stolen and maybe get impounded or whatever. Thieves take them and maybe there's a call uh, from the, the pound. They say, oh, we found your car. You can come down here and reclaim it. You go down there to reclaim it. When you go to reclaim it, don't look nothing like it did when you when it was stolen. No wheels. Maybe the windows are busted out or whatever. That car isn't in the shape that it needs to be. What God's saying is this is a season that God wants to restore some things in our life. Restore means it means to take it back from the hands of the enemy and put it in the hands of the Almighty. To take it from the one who would destroy it and place it into the hands of the one who would restore it. God wants to bring it back. God wants to make it new. How many of you know the scripture says that in Revelations that God says, I'm making all things new. God is the says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Nahum 2.2 says, after your attacks, but the Lord will restore its honor and its power again. The Lord says there's some things in our life that he wants to make new again. God wants to restore some things in our life if we will give him the opportunity. And then number three, not only reclaim some things and restore some things in this season, God wants to bring some refreshing. God wants to bring some refreshing. In the book of Genesis chapter 26, verses 15 and 18, we see a a story where it says that the Philistines, who were the enemy of the people of God, they had stopped up all the wells which Isaac's father Abraham had dug. And they filled them up with earth. They took the source of life. I mean, you know, Jesus said that if you drink the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. How I many you know water is it's a symbol of life. It's a symbol of the spirit of God. And the enemy had come along and had taken places that were life-giving wells, life-giving sources. And the enemy had, had filled them up with debris. The scripture says they filled them up with ashes, had filled them up with earth. And the scripture says in verse 18 that Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And Isaac called those wells by the names which his father 
had called him. Sometimes life fills up our well with debris. Sometimes we get filled up with rubbish and ash and earth in the very areas of our life that God intends to be a life giving source of his spirit is no longer life giving. There's a scripture in the book of Ezekiel that says that there's a river that flows from the throne of God. How many know that that river that flows from the throne of God? And it says wherever that river flows, there is life. That river can flow through a desert and that desert will begin to flourish. See, the enemy has come to try to cut us off from the source of life. But I believe that God is saying that this is a season. This is a season where God wants to bring refreshing. This is a season where he's calling us to do our part like Isaac did. What did Isaac do? Isaac began to redig those wells. He began to take it upon himself to get a shovel or a spade or whatever he had back then. Maybe it was his hands at the time. But he said, enemy, you may have filled it up, but I'm not going to leave it in this condition. Life may not be flowing in this marriage. Life may not be flowing in my calling. Life may not be flowing in my, my inner man, peace and joy. Life may not be flowing in an area of my life, but I'm going to do my part to begin to see that well dug again. You know, the woman at the well, she began to offer Jesus a drink. And I'm sure he was appreciative, but he just said, look, he said, I, I have water that you don't know about. I have water that you don't know about. And if we'll be willing to do our part, then that water will begin to flow into our lives again. Leah, would you mind coming to play? Numbers twenty-one seventeen says this. It was there that the Israelites sang this song. Spring up, O well, within my soul. You know the old song, spring up, O well, and make me whole. Spring up, O well, and give to me that life abundantly. God wants His river to begin flowing in our lives again. How many know it's time to redig some wells? I just want to close real quick. I know it seems like there's a bunch of notes left there. That's, that's kind of what I do. I give you a bunch. You can go chew on it yourself. I just want to take... Those are three, those are three um, things that I believe that, that God wants to do in this season. He wants us to reclaim some things. Talk about another old song. I was singing some old praise songs with my mom and dad um, the, earlier this week. But remember this song? I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to talk it. Talking about reclaiming some things. Do you, does anyone... I, I went to the enemy's camp. Anybody know that song? And I took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. God wants us to reclaim some things. God wants to restore some things. There's some things in some of our lives that don't look like what God intended them to look like. There's some things in our life that don't look like we want them to look like. And God's promise to us is that he will restore it again. That he will make it new. And then thirdly, he wants to refresh. But we have to be willing to do our part. Can you say amen? So real quickly, what are some things we can do? I'm going to list for you quickly. It's in your notes. It'll be on the screen. 
Everybody pretend like you got a shovel in your hand. You know, I came home last night. We picked up our son in Phoenix. I'm not in Phoenix. That'd be a long drive. We picked him up in Dallas. He had flew in from Phoenix. We got home last night about 11 o'clock. And um, speaking of shovels, this is kind of a side note. It's okay. And so we were coming. We were walking from the driveway up to the house, and we have a porch that runs all the way around our house. And we were coming up, and I'd mowed the grass yesterday morning early before we left. And we came up, and there's a step probably about that high right there. And the night watcher light was enlightening all that. And I come walking up, I get pretty close, and I see this copperhead. He's running along the base right underneath the porch right there. And I was like, oh, you know, we got to kill this thing, you know. And so I went looking for a shovel, and I couldn't find a shovel nowhere. You know what I found? I found a garden rake. Garden rakes aren't good for killing snakes. Because every time you swing, there's a 50-50 chance you're not going to hit him. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I couldn't find a shovel. And I won't tell you the rest of the story, but I got him eventually. But we need to pick up our shovel. Everybody take your shovel in your hand like this and just say, you know what? I'm, I'm willing, God, to do my part. I'll do my 1%. God, what is it that you want me to do? God says there's some things that we need to do. Not to perform for, for him, but to partner with him so that he can do what he wants to do in our lives. Real quickly, I'm going to name six. There may be 16 or 60 or 600. And none of these may apply to any of you. One of them may. But in this, in these, this five minutes of close right here, this five minutes of close, what I want you to do is just be open to the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, let's just close our eyes. This is going to be kind of an altar call slash closing point right here. Just close your eyes. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know you want to do amazing things in our life. We know that you want to restore some things. We, we know that you want us to reclaim territory, relationship, dreams, callings. We know, God, that you want to refresh us. God, you want to fill us to running over. But we know that, that you're asking us to partner with you. And God, we want to partner with you so our hearts are open to hear your voice. Our hearts are open to hear your voice. Speak to us. And we'll be willing and obedient. I just got this listed as six steps to personal revival, redigging our wells. Number one step that we can take, and we've already talked about it, I won't belabor the point, is to repent. There are just some things in our life that Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Everybody say, easily. <laughs> Anybody have anything in your life besides me that sneaks up on you and it's easy for you to fall to that thing? I mean, obviously God knew that was going to be the case because He said there are some things that easily beset us and we've got to bring those things to Him and we've got to set them on the altar. So number one, there's just some things that, like David, we need to say, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So number one is repent. Number two is reconcile. Reconcile. That means make things right. How many of you know God cares about our relationships? Anybody? God cares about our relationships? He said, how can you love me whom you've not seen if you can't love your brother or sister whom you have seen? How important is right relationships with other people? In the book of Matthew 5.23, the scripture tells us that if you come to church, 
And you come to the altar. And while you're in the altar, you're there to give a gift to God. And you remember that you have, or someone has something against you, or you have something against someone else. What does the scripture say? Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar. He said, leave and go make things right with that other person. He's saying it's more important to be in right relationship. He sets us up and offense comes and bitterness comes and unforgiveness comes and it imprisons us. Jesus said that if we're not willing to release others, then we are imprisoned ourselves and we're in torment. And that if we will forgive others, then what? Then God will be able to forgive us. And sometimes we, we just justify, we just kind of gloss it over because we were done wrong. Has anybody ever been done wrong? Raise your hand. Be honest. Have you ever been in a situation where it was the other person's fault? Raise your hand. True. And many, many times it is the other person's fault. Many times, many times we have the, the right to be offended. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus said, still don't be offended. Because if you do, if you can't forgive, if you won't forgive, then it's, it's, it's self-prophesying. It's going to happen. It's going to be torment. It's going to be imprisonment. And he said, I give you a key. I give you a gift. It's called reconciliation. It's called forgiveness. And you can stick it into the lock and you can unlock your prison and you can get out. There are some of us that need to make things right. Maybe it was done this week. Maybe it was done a decade ago. But we're still carrying it in our life. And until we redig that well, until we do what God says, we keep running to third, hoping we'll score. And God's saying, run to first. Reconcile. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be peachy and that you're going to be, maybe the relationship is restored. Maybe it's not. But what it is, is it's a heart condition that I can make right with someone else. I can obey God and I can do what God has called me to do. Reconcile. Repent, reconcile. Let me do these quick. Number three, release. There are some things that we have to release or to let go of if we're going to be restored and move forward. Some of us are holding on to things from the past and we'll never be able to go into the future until we let go of the things in the past. There are some things that we're holding on to that God says it's a season. You got to redig that well. You got to let go of those things from the past. There was a script. There's a story in the Bible I know you're familiar with where Samuel, the prophet, anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. And he was his mentor and he was and he walked with him and he was his coach. But how many of you know that Saul didn't he started off right, but he didn't stay right. And when he went down, Samuel's spirit went down, too. And Samuel was upset and Samuel was bothered. And when he was holding on to what was, and finally God showed up one day in 1 Samuel 16, 1 and, and said to Samuel, he's like, Samuel, how long are you going to hold on to the past? He said, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? He said, get up, fill your horn with fresh oil and go forward to, to Jesse the Bethlehemite because there I've provided something new. It's a new day. It's a new king. And some of us, this is a season that we got to let go of some things from the past so that we can step into what God has for us in the future. If you could just go ahead and stand up. Number four. Everybody stand to your feet real quick. We're going to close. Number four, realign. Number five, resist. How many of you know that the Bible says submit to God and resist the devil? And number six is return. 
Return to our relationship. Return to our first love. Return to the presence of God. Return to making Him the highest priority. Return to seeking first the kingdom of God. Return to hearing His voice. Return to walking and talking with the Lord. Return to the secret place. How many of you know God wants us to return? Now, any of these things the enemy can take and he can bring condemnation, God doesn't want condemnation with anything. He's saying, hey, here is something that I'm giving you. That you can redig your well with, and I can. You do your one percent, then I can do what you could never do. How many of you know God wants to do some amazing things in our life? Just lift your hands all across this building. This is going to be our close, and then we'll close with the worship, if that's okay, Leah. A time where we can hear from God, but God wants us to know today that He is for us. That this is a season that He wants us to step into something new. He wants us to step into being refreshed. He wants us to step into all that He has for us. And that we're not waiting on Him. He's, He's waiting on us. And if we'll just move in faith, if we'll move in trust, if we'll move in obedience, if we'll move in response to His voice, then God says that I will come and I will do what you could never do.